Welcome to the Woodshop Live podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm proudly joined today by Hui Huen of the Alabama Woodworker. Wow, you're proudly joined. Proudly. 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 <laughs> and then there's this guy, Dunlap of Guy's Woodshop. What's going on, Guy? Howdy. He's not proud of you, Guy. <laughs> no. Yeah, nobody is. <laughs> especially, especially my kids. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community. And uh, I want to let you guys know we're running a little uh, low on questions. So I'll get those in and to give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. Also, if you'd like to support the show, we're simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please head on over to patreon.com forward slash woodshop life if you'd like to show your support. I would also like to say hello to our newest patron, Adam P., and I'm not going to butcher your last name, and uh, we sincerely hope that you will show us your support. All right, let's get right into it. Hui, what is your first question? All right, my first question is from Josh. I'm planning on building a few cedar shutters. I want to maintain the original wood color and as much as possible and prevent the cedar from graying over time. What finish would you recommend that would both protect the wood from rain, sunlight, and also prevent the wood from graying too quickly? So I actually looked at uh, at three different kinds of finishes. I'm just going to m- mention one, which I've actually never used. It actually is a little bit difficult to use because it does require a certain temperature and also a good amount of drying time, and that's that's Epiphane's, uh, Epiphane's Clear Varnish. Uh, Epiphane's Clear Varnish is a marine varnish, and it, it has a really good UV filter and UV blocker on it. Now, that's not to say that over time, over a long time, that that's not necessarily going to gray, and I think, you know, ultimately, if you're having an outdoor piece, at, at some point, you're probably going to have to refinish it, but that's that's an expensive product, and it does require a good amount of drying time and also a specific temperature that th- your shop has to be at for it to actually cure properly, but it's $46 a quart. That's expensive. That's not cheap stuff. I'm curious about you guys. Do you have any other recommendations about good, clear outdoor varnishes that uh, this person could use? A long time ago, I had a, a project that was made out of cedar that I put outdoors, and I used a product called CW Flood. And it's something I got, I think, from actually at that time, it was uh, Builder Square. And I think that was before you guys were even born. But uh, it's kind of <laughs> like a Lowe's or a, a Home Depot. But it was called CW Flood, and it was a just an outdoor water-resistant kind of finish, like you put on your deck or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I I applied it every year, mm. and my cedar never changed color. Nice. So that's something I have like you know experience with, and I know they still make it. Yes, yeah. It's about eighty nine dollars, but that's for five gallons. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah, I don't cheaper. think I bought. I, I think I just bought like a gallon of it. And what I was coating was a spa cabinet. So it was outdoors. It was in direct sunlight and mm-hmm. uh, it never grayed. And I had it for years. Yeah. This is a gallon is eighteen ninety eight. So that's a, that's a great. There you go. And I just, one thing I do remember, it's like really stinky. Mm, okay. So on that note, Sean, do you have anything to add? No, I've never actually 
use a clear on top of anything that's outside. I've always used some sort of deck stain or something like that. Mm -hmm, Um, So I don't have much experience, but I will, however, point you to Mark Spagnolo. He's posted a couple of videos about finishing outdoor pieces, and he also has a video following up a year or two later showing you what they look like with the uh, the finish and how they held up and um, reapplying the finish. So I will point you to uh, Spagnolo's channel on YouTube to... um, What finish did he use? I believe he used Depifanes. Mm. Wow. So um, I believe that's what he used, and he talked about how well it held up over time. And you can see, obviously, go back to the original video when he built it and applied the finish, and then you know a couple years later, he's actually finished it once or twice and actually broke the table down to make a smaller table. So you can really see how well that finish held up. Mm, that, that'll be a good litmus for you, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so mm. hopefully that helps. Guy, what do you have for us? Uh, got to find the question. question. Yeah, I got to <laughs> find the question. Is that going to be a, like a drinking game, take a shot whenever a guy can't find his question? <laughs> uh, you're so funny, Sean. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from Tyler or Taylor. What is it? Tyler or Taylor at the Hubble Woodshop? I think Taylor. it's Taylor. I think it's Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sorry, Taylor. I always forget. I even asked at the beginning of this, is it Tyler or Taylor? <laughs> And I've, I've forgotten already what it is. So, <laughs> Taylor. Anyways, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you for answering my question in episode You're seven welcome. where I forgot your name again. Uh, I've got a new question for you. Blade cleaning versus blade sharpening. We all know it's a good practice to clean the blades regularly. And personally, I go with some warm water and simple green. It works great for me. My question is, what are the signs I should look for? <clears throat> excuse me. When I'm beyond the simple solution, it's time to get my blade sharpened. Thanks and keep up the good work. Tyler? Taylor. (laughs) Now you're just doing it on purpose. I would never, I would never do that. Not From the Hubble Workshop. From the Hubble Workshop. Um, You know, a good sign that, you know, that your your, your blade needs sharpening is that it it tends to burn. It's harder to push the material through the blade. Um You'll see the, 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 the saw marks or the mill marks it leaves have been greatly exaggerated from the time you first got it sharpened. And it's pretty obvious. Um, the big thing that I always notice is the finish it leaves, especially on a rip cut. Mm. If I'm doing a rip cut on something that's not like a hard maple or something, but something on cherry or walnut, and I'm pushing the blade, I'm pushing the, the material through like I normally do at the standard feed rate. Then I look at the edge, and I'm like, eh, this is like really nasty. Then I know it's time to, to sharpen mm-hmm. my blade. Typically what I do is I, I clean my blade about once every other month. Mm. And uh, once a year in January, I replace my blade. So I keep a fresh blade in my cabinet. And then in January, I take it out. And I send the other one back mm-hmm. and it lasts, the other one lasts me a year. Now, whether or not it needs to be sharpened at that point, I really don't know. But it's for me, it's, I just keep it on schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what do you guys do? Yeah, I do the same thing. I keep it on schedule. But one thing that I have noticed is that uh, I used to use a thin kerf blade and it was a less expensive blade. I won't mention the name. Uh, but uh, but what I noticed is that when it actually started going dull, it was particularly when I was cutting plywood and I was cutting 
uh, I could see the face veneer was going in the cross grain direction. And it was at that moment that I would get actually a lot of fraying at that cross grain on that top veneer when I was uh, cross cutting. From that, I was able to tell that it's like, hmm, this isn't cutting as sharp as when I first so started. So you don't use a special plywood blade when you're cutting plywood? I, I don't. No, I just use You're a general such purpose. an amateur. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Cro- I, I use a laminate blade and a plywood blade and a crosscut blade and a ripping blade. No, I just use a general purpose blade. <laughs> Sean, do you uh, do you keep on a schedule or do you? do, you, do Oh, you- I keep on a schedule. It's called triggering a brake cartridge in my saw about once every year. <laughs> that that uh, reminds me that it's time to get a new blade. Um, but... <laughs> Did you try it again? I don't, I don't, no, no, I don't no, have no, no. that problem. Well, <laughs> yeah, congratulations, guys! Right? Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I've not tripped it in about I don't know three or four or five months. I've, I've done it twice now, unfortunately, like a dummy. Oh my goodness! But on the saw stop, that seems to uh, make me buy a new blade. Um, <laughs> but before that, I would I would probably buy and clean a blade once every year, year and a half. Um, yeah. I never got around to actually having two nice blades on hand. So I would keep cleaning it and cleaning it and cleaning it and, um, would just buy another mid tier Freud blade. But now I've actually got a nice blade. And if I don't trigger the cartridge, I'm just going to do what guy does and have a second blade on hand. Well, chances are you'll, you'll get a false positive and trip that blade and <laughs> or trip that thing and ruin your blade. Um, possibly, but I doubt it. Yeah. I've learned. Hopefully, hopefully not. How often do you clean yours? And what do you clean it with, Sean? Simple green is what I... Um, do you? Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, let it soak and it does a good job. Um, how often? You know, it really depends. Probably not as often yeah. as I should. Like, probably should do it once or... Probably once every one or two months. I don't I don't run 100, 200 board feet through there. So, probably once every two months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, even though I, you know, used to be out there every day using mine... Uh, a lot more than you guys were using yours. I, it was still like maybe every four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I use the uh, Rockler product. Oh, the yeah. uh, the pitch cleaner? Yeah, I, I had really good luck with that. And I use a brass brush to, to clean off the crap off the blades after it soaks for like 10 minutes. And it works What about your good. new gig? Do they, have, you got, have you been there long enough to see their schedule? They really don't have a schedule. <laughs> we have a we have a local guy that that sharpens our blades for us. Yeah, but you guys are going so, through a lot more board feet, right? I mean, yeah, we go through it. Uh, you know, the other day I had to mill almost two hundred and eighty board feet of hickory. Mm. Oh boy, that was that was how my Monday started. Ugh. That all had to be milled and and ripped and all that stuff. And um, we have two different departments in our shop. And the, the, the department I'm in, the cabinet shop, we actually have our own blades. Mm-hmm. So whenever we go to do something, we, we grab our, our blade and we go over to the machine and we change the blade out, put our own blade in there. Right. Because these other guys, they, they don't pay attention to that stuff. So mm-hmm. our blades are pretty sharp. Nice. You have a guy at that at that shop that picks up the blades for you? and they, Yeah. 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 Yeah, he comes in. I think about once a month and picks right. up blades. We, we, I mean, we're putting daily through the through the two saw stops. I would say easily daily five hundred board feet mm-hmm. of lumber a day. Jeez, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's maybe what wow. I go through in a year. <laughs> 
uh, if that, I just bought a 120 board feet of cherry and I'm like, well, that'll last me until next spring. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now uh, that would be a small load for us. But, yeah. For uh, what I'm doing, for what I'm doing the shop, it, I've never gotten to the point at the end of the year. I do the same thing. January, I, I send out one blade and then I put my n- new one in and then so on and so forth. But when it comes to January, I've never gotten to the point where it's like, wow, this really needs to get sharpened. It's just something that I do. Yeah. What about minor saw blades? Oh gosh. I hadn't, it's been a while since now I think about it. It's been a while since I've changed out my miter. It's got to been over a year. I got to do my miter saw blade. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even remember the last time I cleaned my miter saw blade, but I I rarely use my miter saw. Yeah. Yeah. And if it gives me a bad cut, oh, well I'm breaking down rough lumber anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Hope that helps Tyler, Taylor, Tyler, Taylor. Hubble Woodshops. Yeah, Hubble Woodshop. (laughs) Workshop. Hubble underscore workshop on Instagram. We're screwed. I hope hope, uh, Taylor has a good sense of humor. Did you second guess what you're about to call him again? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's move right along. This is from CR Woodshop. I recently acquired 120 board feet of ash and thought it would be perfect to make a new office desk. I was thinking of a metal base with ash top and ash cabinets underneath. This would be a single cabinet box on either side. And I was thinking about making the cabinet box out of solid ash. Is this a good idea? Any concerns or should I stick to plywood? The reason for ash would be to keep the consistent wood grain color throughout. And the fact I have a lot of it. If solid wood is okay, any recommendations on box construction? Let's see. Okay. Can you use solid wood for the cabinet construction? And the answer is absolutely. You can use solid wood for the uh, the desk cabinets. The main key with using solid wood, in my opinion, is to plan accordingly for wood movement while you design the piece. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, there are plenty of cabinetry that use solid woods. Like, for instance, I have a blanket chest that has really large panels on it, and it's made out of solid wood. As long as you accommodate wood movement, you're going to be just fine. As far as box construction... You know, frame and panel is an option. And a great example of using solid wood in a cabinet construction for a desk is actually Seth Miller from East Oak Woodworking on Instagram. He's doing a desk guild build on my site, and he's using solid wood for the entire project, which include the the cabinetry on the sides. Uh, And he also has plans if you want to download so you can get an idea of how he designed his uh, cabinets. Um, It's over on, on my site. Frame and panel, you can do solid wood, just dovetailed box. Um, just got to keep in mind if you have interior panels in the cabinet, think about the grain orientation and how the panels are going to move across their width or, you know, like a traditional frame and panel, like I just mentioned, just don't glue the center panels and the grooves like the person talking to you right now did on their very first woodworking project because <laughs> they will crack unless, of course, they are uh, uh, plywood panels, then you're not going to be in, in, in that much uh, trouble. Um, but just mainly just when you're designing it, just visualize which way the wood is going to move. Is there anything restricting that movement? If so, change your design. Yeah, you can use solid wood panels. Is there anything that, that uh, you guys want to add to this conversation? I agree with you wholeheartedly, Sean. I mean, as long as you pay attention to the, the, the grain direction and don't have a lot of cross-grain problems, there's no problem using solid wood. Unfortunately for me, I tend to make things more difficult than they need to be. So I'd be sawing that in a veneer and (laughs) veneering plywood (laughs) to do a lot of it just because I like the stability of it. Yeah. And I would, I would go frame and panel because of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be honest with you, I'd make the, the, the panels out of solid ash and then use the ash veneer for the, uh, 
panels on the inside of those. That's just me. I made a uh, sit-stand desk that goes atop of a lift mechanism, and the lift mechanism's metal. But uh, I, I did the same thing as I veneered. I actually bought uh, a sheet of veneer and veneered some MDF and then attached it permanently to the well, not permanently, but I didn't use any elongated screw or holes for screws or whatnot. So I didn't really have to account for wood movement since it was the same thing like what you were saying, Guy, is using a plywood panel that you veneered. And, and it works fine. It's very stable. And on top of that, uh, it, it looks good. I mean, it's 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 solid cherry. Sorry, that's my, my baby girl. She's walking around and now starting to learn how to... She's found her vocal cords. I'm sorry about that. Aww. <laughs> How old is she now? She is almost 15 months. So, wow. Days. Yeah, yeah. Any day now, she'll be saying, Dad, can I borrow the car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> just make sure you account for wood movement. Um, and if you don't feel like dealing with wood movement, then go with a, a veneered panel. And, you know, if you haven't done veneering before, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, if you have the setup, if you have the bag and the pump and you have the room, it's a, a great alternative. You don't need a bag to do a lot of that stuff. It depends on, you don't need a bag, but yeah. it's just my opinion. It'd be big clamping calls, depending on how big the cabinets are. Hmm. I was just going to say, I did a very good video on how to do veneering huh. without a vacuum bag. Yep. Mm-hmm. On my YouTube channel. Go check it out. Guys would shop. Little little YouTube. self plug there. Okay. Right. Oh yeah, I had it. I had to do it. Well, Sean got his plug in before. <laughs> <laughs> it's now got, your turn. You better keep listening because I've got one more for you at the end of the, oh, of the episode. Great. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. Well, it includes you. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry to get sidetracked. Uh, but those are your options. Yeah, you could use solid wood. It, you know, just think of uh, how the wood's going to move. You can even do solid panels, like I was saying. Seth uh, used solid panels on his nice dovetailed uh, carcass. You got plenty of options. Just uh, choose the right one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, choose the one that works best for you. Yeah. And your design. Yeah. For Absolutely. Sure. But yeah, you can use solid wood. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that wraps up our first round of questions. And before we get to our second round, we would like to thank our very first sponsor, Maverick Abrasives. Maverick Abrasives is a family-run manufacturer of all things abrasives, such as sanding belts and sanding discs. Their manufacturing facility is located in Anaheim, California, where knowledgeable abrasives and sanding experts are on call Monday through Friday to answer any sanding or finishing questions you may have. Check out their wide assortment of sanding discs on their website. Whether you use 5-hole, 8-hole, or festool hole patterns, they have you covered with the best prices on the web. To top it off, they have free shipping on orders $200 or more. So check out Maverick Abrasives for your sanding and finishing needs. All right, Hui, what do you have for us for your next question? All right, this is from Chris and Lydia, and they're in a cramp shop. They're in a 16 by 16 shop. And so they're looking for some space-saving solutions, particularly with their router table extension wing possibility with their three-horsepower sawstop PCS. They've got a 36-inch wide table. And they're looking at using the extension wing as a router table and there are a couple of solutions that they mentioned but first off i'm going to go with their first question Uh, is there a distinct advantage to a cast iron router 
surface over a laminate one, the price difference seems to be neg negligible between the two. So I actually have a laminate one that I built myself. Guy, I believe you had a laminate one that you built yourself, and now you have a laminate one that's been manufactured. I actually have two different ones that have been manufactured, yeah. Have you seen a difference between the laminate one that you built and the one that's been manufactured? Have you seen any sort of stability issues or, or cupping or bowing or anything like that? No. Yeah, me neither. And I, my, I built mine. And I've not bought one that's been manufactured, but I've not seen any uh, cupping or bowing since I've made mine. Now, when I originally made mine, I made it crappy and I only laminated one side. I only put for, for Micah the plastic laminate on one side and that was bad. Well, how, how thick was it? That was the other thing. It was only three quarters of an inch thick. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that was a problem with no proper bracing underneath either. And that was me being very green and only woodworking for like a year and thinking it's like, ah, this is fine. <laughs> so it's not fine. Now you, Sean, have a cast iron top, but I believe before that you had a laminate router top, correct? Yeah, it was the one and a half inch thick um, top and it was MDF. I don't believe I had any sagging on it. Mm -hmm. It was good. But now the cast iron is awesome. Yeah, it's stable. It's heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy. I had to get help lifting it up. It's heavy. Um, but yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah. And so that actually kind of segues well into his next question. Is there anything that we should consider specifically when getting a router table extension wing insert with regard to maybe fence, dust collection, or maybe something that he might not be looking at or thinking about? And I think one would be weight, right? Because if he's getting a cast iron one and if it's on the extension wing, if he wants to keep his uh, table saw mobile, it might be be a little bit difficult, right? Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on, I've not used the saw stop mobile base. I know that they have the uh, the, the one that the is the higher end mobile base. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll reach all the way out there. And um, I don't know. I, I can't tell you if it would be a diff more difficult moving it because if it's able to pump and lift up the, uh, the table saw without any issue, I can't imagine the, that the wing wouldn't. Go ahead. The only issue I see with putting a, a router table in the wing of your 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 table saw, because you know, as you know, I've had Anchor for years, and they make inserts and do all that stuff, and I could actually use a lot of the same stuff I'm using now, but I don't have to have a separate router table and a separate uh, fence. I should say, yeah, a separate fence. Mm -hmm. You know. Changing all that over and getting it to work is kind of a pain in the butt. You don't think it's going to, oh, it's only going to take me five minutes. Well, you know, five minutes is five minutes, no matter how you cut it. And it's still frustrating to have to change a machine mm -hmm. to do something. Now, I don't know on the saw stop what kind of fence they're using. I think it's a separate fence. I don't think it's using it a separate fence. Yeah. Yeah, because most of those that they don't have a separate fence. You're using your table saw fence. Yeah, which it, is not the greatest solution in the world. Right, I, I totally agree. And and he's saying here that the saw stop look like looks it like is. it's it uses a proprietary fence that doesn't have. And I I think I have to disagree with that because when I look doesn't have at, what a uh, uh, dust collection. It at does. The fence. Have, yeah. It doesn't have it, good dust collection at the fence. It does. It, it does, does have dust collection at the fence. It, it, maybe yeah. he's looking at an older version, or you know, I don't know when he submitted this question, but I'm 
pretty positive that the Sawstop uh, router yeah. fence has dust collection. I'm looking at a photo of it. It does. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, because he's, he's asking about making sure that, you know, everything is future-proofed, you know, to the best that, that he can, to the best of their ability. I, I want to say, actually, that I think good dust collection under the router table is more important than I think the uh, dust collection at the fence. Now, I have both, but there have been times where I forgot to open up that port and the dust collection was still phenomenal coming through the router table. Um, so I think that's still that I would say that's more important, although having it at the fence is nice, too. Yeah, they have it at the fence and in the cabinet little box mm-hmm. below. Um, mm-hmm. They have that ability. My only question is I've not researched the uh, the tabletop, the cast iron tabletop that goes in the wing that's sold by Sawstop. Mm-hmm. Is it a proprietary? Uh, it, it's probably not. But is it a proprietary router plate opening size? Because they sell their own router lift, too. That that's an interesting thing because he actually asked about that. He wants to use the Jessen Master Lift oh, Two. I didn't even read that. Um, and I I am not exactly sure about that. And I think he's going to have to call Saw Stop to get because it's not just about the size of the opening, but it's the radius at the corners that's important as well. Yeah, and it's also a matter of you know if you get a, a Saw Stop table router table for your your table saw and you don't get a Saw Stop lift. Mm-hmm. You're going to die. <laughs> I know. Well, it looks like it's 11 and three quarter by nine and a quarter. So I think that will probably answer his question because that's the size of their their uh, router plate, the right. router lift. So I bet you that the Jessam is probably that size as well. Yeah. yeah let, but double check. Size. Yeah. Double check. But really you quick. can still die if you don't put a saw stop. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds like someone is sour about saw stop, but I'm not going to no, point any fingers. I'm, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm I am a saw stop user now, so I can say whatever I want to about saw stop. You're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> you guys have to put up with me forever. You uh you you got to think about the the over over the arm dust collection um, because depending on if you have that arm that comes all the way over or if you have the 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 little insert that comes with it, it doesn't have that extended arm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get any aftermarket over the blade, over the blade dust collector that has the arm, it could potentially get in the way. Um, so you'll just have to look at any potential future accessory you're going to get. Is not going to get in the way? And plus, it, if you're going to have your saw up against the wall, you may have some limitations on that as well. Well, I, I just wanted to say real quick, you know, the other thing to consider too is that you've got a, a machine that's doing dual purpose. Mm-hmm. And whenever that happens, you've got, you know, not only the change over time, but things get in the way of other things. For me, having a separate, I actually have two separate uh, router tables. I know that's awful. But the (laughs) nice thing about having a separate router table that I can leave the setup as is, is sometimes Mm -hmm. I do an operation at the router table, that I'm doing something at the table saw, and I know that I can go back later. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and my setup hasn't changed on the router table. Right. Now, that can come into play when you have a machine that's the tabletop is doing two different functions. A really right. good example is we talked last uh, podcast about how a an outfeed table that's uh, doing dual duty as an assembly table can get mm-hmm. in the way of your ripping. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yep. it's the exact same thing. Yeah. I have a 52-inch fence, so... 
I don't have I don't come into that problem as often, but I have come into that problem at times with a 36 inch fence. I imagine that Chris and Lydia will encounter that problem more often. Yeah. And just like last episode, you also have to look at your workflow. How how often are you at the router table? Sometimes you got to, you know compromise a little bit if you only have 16 by 16 if you can get two tools in one spot just like the combination joiner planer mm-hmm. you know you just have to spend the extra time of breaking down if you rip something longer than probably i don't know 26 inches or whatever that i'm just throwing that number out there whatever that number is because you can push your fence all the way in up to the blade or to the bit and that's going to save you some room um so you just have to see what what you're doing now what you have planned how much room you have are you willing to compromise yeah so hopefully those are a couple of things to consider and look at and just make sure that everything is compatible because you're looking at getting the, the Jessam Masterlift 2 to go into something that is a different brand. So just, just make sure you look into that. Now, last question for you. If you had the choice between cast iron and laminate and they were both about the same price, what would you go with? Cast iron. Yeah, I'd probably go with cast iron too. I don't have, I don't have an answer. I haven't used, I, I'd probably say cast iron. If yeah. they were the same price, but they're not. Yeah. No. You know, that's a big they're what expensive. if. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a huge price difference between the two. And even the the manufacturer's laminate tops are expensive. Yes. They're so, not cheap. Yeah, sure. they're not they're not cheap. So all right, guy, I think you've got the next question. All right. I've got actually got it queued up. <laughs> oh, for once. <laughs> Don't take a shot. For once. Yeah. This is from ACAM22. I don't know ACAM's name, so I'm sorry. Hi, guys. This is a deep question. I don't think we want to take a ton of time on it, but this is one that we could do a whole podcast on this. Hi, guys. I've been thinking a lot lately about getting into woodworking. I follow several on Instagram and YouTube channels, but I just wanted to get some input on what I need to get started and what are some really nice projects for a complete beginner to start off with? Again, that's a deep dive. And I guess the the, the first thing I would say to ACAM22, let's just call him Mr. A. Does that work for you guys? Sure. Sounds good. All right. All right, Mr. A. If I were you and I was just getting into woodwork and I was wondering what tools to buy, as first I would decide what project I'd want to start off with. And I'd start off with actually something simple, like just a table with, let's say, four legs, an apron, and a top. And you could actually do that really easy with just a circular saw or and a miter saw mm-hmm. and a pocket hole jig. Yep. And you could do all of that very, you know, for under $200 worth of tools. And those are tools you'll have for a long time. And you could buy the lumber pre-milled. You can get that at your uh, big box store. They actually, I, I was looking in Home Depot lately, and they actually have some nice nice wood in there. It's by no means inexpensive. Right. right. But yeah. it's a lot less expensive than going out and plopping down, you know, two grand for a joiner and two grand for a planer. Right. So... That's a good, for me, you know, without getting really deep into it, I think that's a good place to start is pick out, yeah. pick out the project, mm-hmm. find the tools you, you absolutely have to have to make that project and, and make it. And if it turns out to be junk, well, try again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And you want to throw a drill in there for the, uh, 
yeah the pocket hole yeah. jig but yeah. i 100% agree at i would i would recommend getting a miter saw a drill tape measure pencil and uh <laughs> the pocket hole jig <laughs> and i would make you know in pre-milled lumber like exactly what guy said um and, and just make a cabinet or something for your shop make some some uh some shop stuff that you know not only can be useful but you learn from it and you get the motivation to uh, to go beyond the, those skill sets and start doing joinery uh, and learning more about the craft. But um, that way, if it's for the shop or, you know, a table for the shop or whatever, if you mess yep. up, yeah. scrap it and start over. Uh, but That's just get that, get that skill set down and uh, get the motivation and uh, to, to want to do better and learn more and start with the, you don't have to worry about joinery. The pocket holes are perfect. Those are, I agree with that. Miter saw, pocket hole jig, drill pencil measuring tape um and just build something for your shop 100 percent, totally agree with both of you guys hey man simple workbench out of one sheet of plywood uh, i think that's a great project yeah and that, there's a lot that, of, there's a lot of plans out there for something like that too. oh yeah oh yeah and and on top of that it's something you'll use for a very long time uh mm-hmm. you'll get a lot of appreciation out of using that and then and then from that your your projects can get uh, more complicated, but at least you have a work surface, right? So one sheet of plywood, yeah. real simple. So yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of making something for the shop. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm always furniture minded. I'm mm-hmm. kind of in that direction of, of everything I do. So yes, yeah, shop furniture is a great way to do it. You, and if, like if it's ugly, you can still use it. Oh yeah, paint it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And it's going to build up your confidence using the pocket hole jig because not because it's easy, but because it's going to give you great results, stuff lines up uh, and get a couple of quick clamps or something like that uh, yeah, to hold the pieces, sure. but sure. it'll help you build, boost your confidence and make you want to learn more. And then you're, you're down that path. Yep. There All you right. go. That was actually that. easy to answer question. It was. Yeah. Well, we could, uh, yeah, we could definitely make that a full episode. Like you said. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mr. A, hope that helps. This is on to me. And uh, the question's from Adam. How do you like that jet combo joiner thickness planer? I'm space limited and thinking of replacing the 6-inch rigid joiner and the 10-inch Inca combo machine. I like to have a larger joiner and was wondering how you like the combination machine. Did you consider other similar models? Thanks, Adam. As far as how do I like it, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, we've already talked about this in previous podcast episodes, but the mm-hmm. short version is I like the machine. Uh, the calibration sucks because it takes so long and is cumbersome. The, in a nutshell, that's what I think of the machine. We've talked about it several times before. Now, did I consider other similar models? Yeah, I did. I looked at getting the Grizzly 12-inch combination machine. I think it was the G0634 XP 12-inch 5-horsepower machine. And there were a couple things about the machine that ultimately made me decide on the jet. And these were based solely off of me looking at the machine on their page and not really researching it properly. So I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> but the fence is in is end mounted like a Beesmeyer style fence. Mm-hmm. And that just seemed a little odd to me. It, it's probably not an issue because and works totally fine because I've not read anything about it. I was just concerned about potential flexing. And it threw me off a little bit. But again, that's probably not an issue. Uh, but it does seem like they replaced that fence style on the replacement of that machine, the G0634Z. Um, so I'm not sure what that says. It's now uh, using a fence similar to the Jet machine. And the other reason I went with the Jet over the Grizzly was the price. 
uh, I got my machine on sale for like $1,800 and that was with the free prime shipping. So that was a really steep discount compared to what the Grizzly was um, on their website. But my machine did come with straight knives, uh, but I have since swapped out the heads and I still came out quite a uh, quite a bit less than the Grizzly machine. Uh, but ultimately, I just started looking first based off of a budget and then I went with the uh, what I personally consider to be the better machine. Uh, and I did happen to re- read reviews on the Jet machine and overall people seem pretty happy with their purchase outside of the calibration issues. Now, Jet does sell a 10-inch combination machine, but it's a completely different animal. And honestly, I'm not even sure why they continue to sell it. It's just about the size of a lunchbox planer with a short joiner bed sitting on top of it. And from what I read, it's not very good. So budget and then reviews is what I went with. Um, mm. Hui, what about you? What what drove you to uh, getting your machine? It, it ultimately came down to space saving um, and being able to... Because up until then, it was... Uh, rolling both the joiner and planer out, and they were big machines. It, I had the same joiner as Guy, which had the extra long beds on it and the parallelogram. I believe, Guy, that's what you had, right? Yeah, yeah, the 8-inch yeah. uh, Grizzly. By the way, both wonderful machines. The only reason why I got rid of them uh, was to save space. And so now what, having- What did you have as a planer? I had a 15-inch planer. I had the Grizzly 15-inch. Okay. Um, and both great machines. Both wonderful machines, and I actually know the people that have them right now, and they are using them extensively. So, with the sale of both of those machines, uh, it, you know, and a little, uh, little extra cash, uh, I was able to get the twelve, uh, the twelve-inch uh, joiner planer combo, the Hammer A three thirty one, and it's a great machine. It's a wonderful machine, and and I still have the same reservations about that fence, uh, the same as you, Sean. But I haven't had any calibration issues. It keeps. 90 when I need it. And every time I switch it or swap it over, I just check it really quick. And, you know, if I need to make a a small adjustment, I do, but uh, it hasn't had any issues. I haven't had any issues with it. So I guess the reservations are unfounded, but, uh, but yeah, I really enjoy having the space savings and man, having a 12 inch joiner is very, very beneficial for sure. Uh, Guy, how about you? I don't mean to be going round robin, but you know, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, when I was looking at them, I looked at uh, basically the Hammer, the Rikon, the Jet. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. And I ultimately decided on the Jet. It had to do mainly with availability, and I felt comfortable with the Jet, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hammer I hadn't had any experience with. I know a lot of people that had them, and they liked them and everything. Um, I've had jet equipment before and obviously I have Powermatic now. So it was, for me, it was a familiarity thing more than anything mm-hmm. else. And the machines are very similar in every way, yeah. shape and form. There's slight differences. That's, you know, the slight nuance differences. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's that big of a deal. The jet also, the feed rate is slower than it is on the Rikon or the hammer for the mm. planer part. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm getting a better finish, but of course it does take longer, which is yeah. not a big deal. I'm yeah. typically not in a big hurry. When I went down from the eight inch joiner and I had a, a portable, you know, the, the DeWalt four post with the helical head in it. And I had that on a stand that I rolled around. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to get all this extra floor space back. Well, 
I sold the planer, but I still have the stand that it rolled around on. Oh. It's still <laughs> taking up the same footprint on my floor. And I use it. I use that as my cart to yeah. move wood around the shop, mm-hmm. um, especially near the joiner planer because now uh, when it's in planer mode, I don't have anywhere to set wood. Before I could set some you know, boards on top of the planer, I can't yeah. do that anymore. Right, right. So, um, so you need a cart. <laughs> I need a cart. So I haven't really saved any space per se, but I do have a 12 inch joiner now, which to yep. me is a huge thing. Yeah. Just huge. I don't get a lot of boards that are over eight inch, but when I did, you know, there's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through to, to thickness plane and face joint. Right. Boards that are over eight inches on an eight inch joiner. So yeah. I'm ha- I'm happy I got it. I'm very happy with the jet. Uh, I highly recommend it. That's about yeah. all I can say about that. The other day, actually, it was what was it? Yeah, two days ago, uh, I was able to joint a twelve inch wide piece of Jatoba. I was like, man, this is pretty nice to be able to do that. And that stuff's hard, yeah. by the way. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, another reservation I had about getting the combo machine was, you know, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before, you know, I got to change over a machine. Mm-hmm. It takes me all of like 30 seconds to change. Over. I mean, it's really not an issue. Yeah. To change it's not an issue, over. but I wish I didn't yeah. have to. <laughs> I still wish I didn't have to, but it's still, it does it so fast. Yeah. It's, almost a, a non thing for me. It's made me really appreciate milling up extra lumber when I'm making a project, because if I mess something up, I've got that extra piece I can use. That's the same exact thickness, man. I've just been making that a habit to have a couple of extra. I I really have for that exact reason. (laughs) I've, I've always done that. Uh, If I, if I can afford to not like monetarily, but just if I have it in the lumber rack, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just one of those things. If you have a combo machine, you'll really start to think about. Unless you've already created this habit, like Guy and uh, Hui. <laughs> no, I started that habit after having a combo machine, just like you, Sean. <laughs> I still am too stubborn and and don't half the time and end up kicking yourself. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to try something a little different. Uh, we're going to just take a moment to talk about what we have going on in our shop. Guy, you want to tell us what you got going on? Nope. Oh, we? <laughs> really, guy? What Come on. That? Um, got, the only thing I've, got, I've got going, on, going on in my shop right now is I've uh, started working on a traveling tool chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just haven't had a lot of time to work on I'm, I'm uh, For those of you that don't know, I started working a full-time job in a cabinet shop. And I work four tens. And then I get three days off, but those three days off, you know, I still have all the housework and stuff like that I need to get done. So I don't have a lot of time in the shop and I definitely don't feel like going out during the week after working a 10 hour shift and, you know, spending more time in the shop. Plus my wife's car is in the garage now. So, um, I've been working on this traveling tool chest because I need to bring some tools to work. It's weird there, man. There is not a single hand plane in in the whole place. Wow. Think about that. Not even a block plane. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it's insane. I was wondering why you were building that because I was thinking it's like, well, he has 
the cabinet that he puts it, but okay, yeah. now it makes sense. Yeah, so that's why it's got to have a lock on it. The lock, I mean, somebody could break into it. It's just, you know, a little bit of a, a way of, of trying to keep people out of it. But uh, I need to bring some hand planes in and some some chis- some nice chisels and things mm. like that. And uh, so I'm, I'm doing a, it's close to what Mike Pakovich designed, mm-hmm. uh, but not quite. It's a little bit different. But, yeah, you've uh, got a you've got a flip top that's a little bit thicker. He, I think he has like a frame and panel top, right? Yeah, I I I don't know. I didn't look at it that closely. I just looked at glanced at it. Oh, that's nice. I can build something like that and just cool went from there. But uh, I plan on putting some hand planes in there, some hand saws, uh, chisels, some sharpening stuff, that kind of thing. But I'm almost done with it. Hopefully, hopefully in the next six, seven years, I'll be done with it. (laughs) Are you uh, recording video for this? No, no, no. I can't tell you the last time I made a project and didn't record it. I bet that is awesome. Yeah. I I wish I had time to record it. I mean, it's this last weekend I got four hours in the shop and that was it. What are you making it out of? Uh, It's white oak that I got from my buddy, Tab Adams. Mm -hmm. Hey, Tab, if you're listening. And, um, it's all half inch material. Mm-hmm. I used box joints, which was mm-hmm. a big first for me. It's coming out nice. It's going to be heavy when it's done. It's probably going to be 60, 70 pounds. So <laughs> I, I got to get a little, uh, casters for it. I'm going to get like a luggage <laughs> cart for it and modify it so I can carry you know, it around. Bring it. Yeah. Cause I got to, I can't leave it there cause it'll get stolen. Yeah. What about you, Hui? What do you got going on? I've got a drop leaf side table that I'm working on. And right now, the next thing I have to do is shape the edge. So I'm just going to do a slight curvature on the front and an even slighter curvature along the sides. And then I need to put the extension arms for the drop leaf mechanism. And I'm I'm not going to do a knuckle joint. I'm not going to do like a swing out arm. It's just going to be a, an arm that tucks into the apron and has, uh, has a bracket that holds it in place so that, uh, so that it doesn't slide around. Uh, just trying to keep it simple. Uh, something that actually is, I'm able to build for, for my family member. It's not even for me, but it's not like a commission piece or anything like that. It's just yeah. actually something fun to work on. It's actually really nice to work on something that, um, I don't have any pressures of trying to get it done or, record it or or meet a deadline or anything like that or any sponsorships or anything like that you know what i mean i'm enjoying it and um hopefully get it done in the next week or two so not much left on it so all right sean what do you got going on man i just finished uh building a little sharpening station out of some african mahogany and uh babinga Mm. and it's it holds my Two water stones, one diamond plate, honing guide, the little Lee Nielsen screwdriver, uh, and a couple sets of jaws for the uh, Lee Nielsen honing guide that I got. And it's just a little, pretty much a, just a little box with the pull-out drawer, brass hardware on the drawer front, the knob. Nice. Yeah, it's um, on the top. I've got some of that cork rubber material, crubber material, crubber that, that the stones and uh, will set on to help protect the top if water gets off of it, which I'm sure it will. Uh, mm. finished it with uh, brushed on a couple coats of shellac and now I'm editing video for that. So something that came out awesome that I'm probably going to use quite often and I needed to make many, many years ago, years ago that I 
I'm just now getting around to. So cool. that is what I have going on in the shop. How's working with that African mahogany? Um, you know, the last time I'd used it was with or on that um, blanket chest or maybe a side table, but it's stringy. You know, I don't yeah, remember I don't being like that it. stringy. And like especially it. using it with hand tools. Maybe I just didn't use hand planes on that, uh, the um, blanket chest. But now that I used it, on this, I, you know, I smooth parts out and, and uh, this and that. It's just stringy. It looks awesome, but it's just hard to deal with. And it, it's okay. Um, I'm not a, I probably won't go out and buy more for, for projects. I'd like to try some genuine mahogany next. Yeah. You know what I've been using a lot at work? Hickory. Hickory. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Tons. It's like everything's made out of hickory or ash. And I'll tell you what, man, that stuff is just, it's hard and it's, difficult to work with but i i I find it to be pretty stable Mm. you know versus like hard maple Mm. you know hard maple it just wants to twist in 15 different directions yeah this this doesn't do that when you when you thickness plane it get you know four square it it kind of stays that way for the Mm. most part not as bad as as hard maple so yeah i've not used it before well don't if you don't have to (laughs) (laughs) Once I get through this Jatoba board, I don't think I'm ever going to have anything quite that hard again in my shop. That stuff is like rock. Yeah. All right. I think that will do it for this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions you would like answered, you can send them through the podcast contact page over at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. We would also like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. So if you've not left us a five-star review on iTunes, please do so. You can reach me at simplecove.com and at simplecove on Instagram and YouTube. And I wanted to briefly mention uh, that if you've not listened to, I've got a Simple Cove podcast where I interview people from my site, including one of the people on this podcast. I'm still trying to get the other guy on. It's called hey. Simple Cove Podcast. <laughs> I will. We'll try to have Hui on for the second uh, season, but just a quick little plug. Sorry, guys. Uh, And Hui, where can we find you? AlabamaWoodworking.com, and you can find all my links to my social media there. And Guy? What? Where can we find you? (laughs) Guyswoodshop.com. All right. Hui, uh, Hui, it's Alabama Woodworker or Woodworking? Alabama Woodworker. I'm sorry. Okay. I just want to confirm. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, for uh, chatting with me and we will see you in a couple of weeks. All right. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye.